Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckaholics? What the fuckadelics? What the fucktuckians? I don't know why I'm specific about fucktucky. I got no, nothing specific other than I like saying it. What the fucktuckians? So they're special only because I enjoy saying what the fucktuckians. There's good people in Kentucky. There's good people all over. But there are some horrible people, too. And some states have more than others, if you know what I'm getting at. Okay? Now, I'm not saying evil. I'm not saying, you know, uh, stupid. I'm not saying, you know, like human garbage. I'm just saying horrible. And you know who they are and you know who you are. That being said, we are all trying to get through this time. How are you? Are you okay? Is everything all right? Did you get all that organizing done? Did you put that picture up? Did you figure out a way to get your kids to shut up for a few hours, an hour, 15 minutes? I talked to somebody the other day, today actually, I don't want to say who it is because it's an upcoming episode, I don't know when it's going to be on, but she brought up a, a fascinating thing I thought. Her and her husband came up with an idea that I thought was a good idea and I don't have children, they have like two or three children and they were trying to figure out how do we make this work, this indefinite quarantine and none of them had seen Lost. So now they're in, there's like, what is there, 900 episodes of Lost? 1,007? How many? 1,010? 1,014? So they're actually watching an episode. None of, them have, none of them have seen it. So they're watching an episode a night. How fucking genius is that? I mean, how many, like that's something the whole family could lock into and, you know, you can just ride it out. It's like it's built in babysitting. I, I've never seen any of it. Grownups are doing TikTok. I don't even know what the fuck that is. But I mean, I draw the line at Twitter for stupid name shit. TikTok? Grown people are doing TikTok. So that means someone's going to say, do you know how to do TikTok? I'm like, I don't want to even know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. Because from my experience with this type of shit, once someone says, do you know what it is? Do you know how to do it? And I go, no. And someone says, you should check it out. It's, it's probably a month to six months before I'm doing TikTok. Like, I'll fight the good fight, 
for a while and then I'll be like, look, I did a TikTok. And then I'll be in the race. Who's doing the best TikToks? <laughs> you know, it's a matter of time. Whit Thomas is on the show. Whitmer Thomas. Comedian, musician, actor. Worked with him on uh, the film Sword of Trust. He played one of the sympathetic rednecks. The Lynn Shelton film. So look, you guys, I want to address something that I, I think upset a couple of people, at least three, right? At least three. I go through stuff, you know, with the uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda, or, or just, you know, beating myself up or just getting, you know, anxious about everything and freaked out, uh, you know, not just about the disease, about what happens when we get out. Am I, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Like, you know, when my brain runs away with me, there's only a, a couple of things I can do. There's only a couple of ways to wrangle it back in. You, you, you know, when I, when I get into the future horror and it's fairly dramatic self-talk that I engage in. Okay. To make myself feel better. There's, you know, and this is addressing what I said the other day. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm fucking done. It feels good to say that. I'm fucking done. Done with what exactly? Whatever it is that I think is causing me anxiety. Work, living in this country, eating, life, cats, etc. It really doesn't mean I'm done. It, it's just comforting to me. I'm, tr- I'm working on some other ways to deal with it in, 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 in the sort of acceptance realm. You know, like, hey man, you know, this is what it is right now. That, that feels okay. But like a few seconds later, I'm back to like, I'm fucking done with this shit. Fucking done with it. But that's better than I'm going to kill myself. I think we've made progress just by me saying I'm done in a general way with most things. But the point I'm trying to make to you is clearly I'm not. I'm not done is what I'm saying. Okay. Because I got an email from a few concerned people. One guy sort of like, you know, go fuck yourself if you're done. Just do it already. Not, it's not going to matter to us. That was a nice email to get. But this woman, Julia, subject line, I'm done, in quotes. Hey, Mark, how funny it is to see the mantra of my last few days repeated by my favorite comedian, podcaster, going live on Instagrammer, actor, etc., you and I must have had the same epiphany at the same time about just being done. I'm done worrying. I'm done being anxious. I'm done spinning myself out. No, actually, Julia, it was quite different. I'm done with the things that cause those things to happen. Work, love, cats, life. You seem more together than me. And she writes, does it mean it actually does a full stop? No, not really. But it helps because it's like I'm holding a stop sign up at my brain and I'm just like, stop, done, no. That's good. That's proactive. I've noticed a slight drop in anxiety in the past couple of days as well. But whether that's just a cycle and it will be back and forth in another couple of days remains to be seen. Hang in there, Mark. Thank you. Can't wait until this shit is over. Excited to see what we all look like. And oh my God, I'm excited to fucking hug someone. Jesus Christ. That has been the worst. Love you, Julia. Thank you. I'm not done. I'm not done, Julia. I'm staying. I'm staying in the saddle. I'm good. 
This one, I don't know if I can read it, but it's sort of... (laughs) It's about Laura Linney's dad. She talked about him. Difficult person. So I guess I can read this. Uh, Subject line, Laura Linney's dad squashed my creative soul. Hi, Mark. Listening at this moment to the Laura Linney episode, I was in a graduate creative writing program at University of Pennsylvania in 1990, and Romulus Linney was the writer in residence. My workshop mates responded powerfully and positively to the opening chapter of a novel I was working on, but the acclaimed playwright tore it to shreds. The class was stunned, and I was crushed in real time. I dropped out of grad school for a lot of reasons. I still remember that feeling 30 years later. I struggled through lots of depression and OCD and addiction for years as a struggling writer until finally getting sober in 1998. And then I struggled with depression and OCD for a lot longer after getting sober, but that's another story. I'm coming up on 22 years of sobriety in a bit. Congratulations, pal. I've been reading my old... uh, manuscripts, unpublished novels and screenplays during the pandemic quarantine. Some of my old stuff is good. Some of it is bad. Most of it is both. Anyway, Laura sounds like an amazing person. And something about her description of her father soothed my 30-year-old artistic injury. For this moment, anyway. Go figure. I've emailed you before. I moved to Albuquerque five years ago, and I'm a psychoanalyst out here. Nice. Only mildly crushed that you never responded previously. Kidding, I think. Thanks for being a consistent, entertaining, thought-provoking voice in my head and earbuds. There you go, David. It's your day. David, it's your day. It's happening. David in Albuquerque, it's happening. I'm glad you landed on your feet after your hurt feelings. (laughs) I hope that wasn't the straw, man. Heartbreak, man, never it just never goes away. It just never goes away. It's just right there under the surface, and you don't got to scratch very far to feel that ache. Whitmer Thomas has an HBO special uh, on currently called Whitmer Thomas, The Golden One. It's available on all HBO platforms. The songs from The Golden One are available to stream or download and as CDs and LPs with two exclusive tracks not featured on the special. It's a, it, it's a harrowing personal tale, an emotional tale that he talks about what he goes through in the show, but also about, uh, what you're about to hear from my conversation with Whitmer. So this is me uh, talking to him. He came in live. He, he braved it. We sat apart, took a picture apart, chatted apart, and uh, it was a good talk. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Yes. <music> 
There's a kitchen. Oh, it's good. completely permitted accessory dwelling unit. Someone could live in here comfortably if they can live in this much space, but legally. I could do it. Oh, sure. I think people we know could do it. Almost I'm, anyone could do it. Yeah. It'd be a relief. I could live under the stairs. Sure, man. I mean, it's like when I go to hotels now, I used to be weird on the road, but now I'm like, this is great. None of my shit is here. Yeah. It's clean. I, don't oh, I love it. <laughs> you do? I love a hotel. Yeah, man. I love a hotel, motel, whatever. I realized when I was like 26 that I had only stayed in one hotel. Ever? Yeah. Like you'd never been away from home? No, of? I'd been away from home plenty of times, but we were so stupid as like punk kids. We would like oh, sleep in a car or whatever it was and, yeah. and then get a motel. Realizing as an adult that like now a motel yeah. only costs like $40 some places. For a cheap one? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. For like a Comfort Inn or a La Quinta or something? Yeah, but when we were kids on tour, yeah, it's, you know, that's... $10 between the four of us, but instead we would just yeah, choose leave in the car. Didn't you just leave at people's houses? Yes. Hopefully, that was the hope. It's yeah. like begging on stage. Fans. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. Please. Help us out. Yeah. And then you'd sweep on someone's basement floor with mm-hmm. their parents upstairs, that kind of thing. Shivering. Yeah. Dude, that was the <laughs> best if parents were upstairs and they'd make you breakfast in the morning. Oh, and, yeah. oh so they were nice. Supportive parents. Nice parents. The yeah. good parents. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I Even at this point, even like if I have friends who have the cap- capability, like the money or the space to offer me, you know, come stay at our house. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your own bathroom. I'm like, no. Nah, Same. I never <laughs> want to do it. I'll just stay at the hotel. How far is the hotel from yeah, the event? I, nowadays, I'll get a hotel like right by the airport too. And I'll just- Oh, wow. Yeah. You, you don't want to have anything to do with that town. No. And I, <laughs> that way I can sleep as late as I possibly can before the flight. Get out right under the wire? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't do airport hotels, not air, unless I have to. Well, I'm new. I'm new to all this Are hotel you? I stuff, did the touring so. thing? Yeah. I usually go to, I'll stay by the venue. Yeah. What does the venue recommend near the place? Yeah, I've opened, you know, for comedians. Yeah. They really got it down packed where they like oh, right. know all the questions to ask. Right. And, you know, so you've places. opened for some dudes that, that take you with them and put you up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. That's yeah. the best. It is. And then like, what? like who have you opened for? I opened for Bo, I opened for Dimitri and Rory and Todd Glass. The nice fellas. So yeah. now let's let's talk about these guys because I know all of them. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody like Bo, I'm sure like you guys get up and you eat and you hang out a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. But when I was opening for him, he couldn't talk because huh. he, he was about to tape his special and he had lost his voice. Oh, wow. And so he was uh, trying to keep his voice voice mm. and so we would go around town and like i would have to talk for him everywhere it's so, a it's a little extra added open yeah. <laughs> open for him at the restaurant yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then after the show we yeah. would talk and hang out but before the show he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry uh how many shows did you do with that guy like 14 maybe oh, that's a lot yeah and uh and who was the other Bo and and oh rory yeah rory he'll probably have he'll, he'll eat with you right yeah hang we out. we hung out a lot yeah dimitri probably not so much Dimitri, no. We would just hang out in the <laughs> green room. That was it. See you later, man. Yeah. Yeah. No would... breakfast, no socializing. No. Yeah. No, no. I could see that. Yeah. I, I had the best night of my life opening for him, though. Oh, really? I walked out of the casino and I put some money in a um, slot machine yeah. and I won 1200 bucks. 1200 bucks. Yeah. It was sick. By yourself. Yeah. Alone. <laughs> You got to yell and scream by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Todd's got to be fun to open. Todd is fucking wild, man. He like stays up all night talking to people. Really? Yeah. Just like whoever wants to talk to him. (laughs) You'd hang out in the lobby. 
I'd like come out. I don't know if that's wild or sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fine line between like, man, that's kind of, yeah, sad a little. Yeah, well, no, it, was, it seemed all right. He, no, no, he, I'd, walk, I'd walk back to the hotel after like visiting friends of mine or something like that in the yeah. town, and he would just be sitting in the lobby like talking to At whoever. the hotel? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Oh, so he's just, not necessarily people at the show, but no. whoever's around. Yeah. Just socializing. Yeah. Lonely guys socializing. It was great. Yeah. It was awesome. So I appreciate you coming during the plague. Um, Thanks for not, having me. Well, yeah, but not many people willing to make the journey, even if I guarantee them a clean environment. I sprayed down that mic with the, some alcohol. That's not vinegar in that spray bottle. It's alcohol. Cool. And there's a hand sanitizers available. I've got rubber gloves. I haven't really been leaving. I, so, I mean, other than to just do little, go to the store or whatever it is, but I'm, I'm really... Uh, excited to get to do this so i i uh i don't care if i get sick or whatever I'll, I'll... well i'm not well i don't want to get sick but i don't think i'm gonna get you sick we're we're, we're on top of it yeah, I, yeah. I mean, i'm gonna have to figure out how to open the door like you know the thing that, <laughs> the thing that's weird is that it's like it goes both ways it's like i'm i'm just as like i don't think i have it but they make you kind of paranoid yeah like, maybe i do and I, keep, I don't know it keep like sucking in to see if i can like hold air in my lungs good you know oh, that thing yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I've been running. I went running yesterday. Good. You've been skating? Yeah, I've been skating. Yeah? Can't run. Don't got any ligaments in my knees. Uh, really? But, or but else you... I would. I see these people running, and I'm really jealous of it. But you can skate? Yeah, yeah. It's like I can choose to do one or the other, but apparently running is really bad for my knees. Oh. So uh, I can skate, and I don't have to use both of my knees in the same kind of way because oh, I'm, that's right. I'm pushing, you know? Right, one of them's just holding your foot on the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed a little bit of skating in the special. Not much, a little bit, but it was like, oh, like one little thing that was fairly complicated. I'm like, <laughs> oh, he knows how to do that. Second nature kind of deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can just do that. Well, Didn't yeah. you land on two boards or something? Yeah, well, yeah, hey, that's cool you noticed that. <laughs> You're the only person to say that, so that's cool. <laughs> what do cool. you mean? Well, nobody's, I mean, I did land on two boards, and it was something that we sat there for a second trying to do, thinking it would be a bigger moment, and then, uh -huh. of course, it's like, why would that be a moment at it was, all? It was kind of quick. Yeah, yeah, it was a quick moment. So, you and I, like, I, I guess I should preface that you and I were in, you were in sort of trust with me. Yeah. You played one of the redneck young men. Yeah. And, uh, but also when we were shooting that in Alabama, you informed me that you were on Glow and I didn't realize that, but you were the, uh, the fan of, uh, of, uh, Wolf of, uh, Sheila, Sheila, Gail, Sheila, Gail, Gail Rankin, the genius. And you Incredible. showed up at, uh, at the, uh, at the, sh at the wrestling match dressed as her. Yeah. That was you. Yeah. And so when I was on set, I... Well, you know, and we had met before that, uh, you know, years yeah, that, and years ago. Right, but there was no way I was going to remember doing your horrible show. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so I didn't I on I, I didn't want to say hi because I I looked like a fool. If there was ever a way that you did remember that, I'd have to make you force you to go through the Rolodex of like the specific things in that show to even maybe in power remember. violence. Yeah. No, I, I remember that because I was sort of like, I did not like doing those kind of shows and I don't know who <laughs> talked me into it or who said it was a good thing to do. I just remember that it was over amped. There was something <laughs> fucked up happening in there. Everybody was way too excited or too worked up. <laughs> it was not a good environment for a comedy show. It should have been. And I just knew that there was no way I wasn't going to get up there and ruin the vibe and also be mad about it. No, dude. But do you remember what you did? No. 
okay, you just made, you were like, I can do this, like this kind of shit. And you were like doing bits that you thought that the audience was going to like, yeah. like making fun of them, but it killed. Like, <laughs> and you went after Zach Galifianakis who right. did like his absurdist stuff. And so yeah. you were, you were like doing your more absurdist ideas. You did something about a dolphin. Oh, wow. Or dolphins or something. That's and exciting. it was really funny. It was great. <laughs> It worked and the, out. Yeah, and at the beginning of the show, we set our friend on fire. And so we were like, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And <laughs> looking back, it's like, I'd hate to have to follow someone getting set on fire. It's the worst, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, it's like uh, you're not really hosting as much as you are just like creating a place where you can do your crazy shit and then like oh yeah here's a guy we asked to come do this right here's a very here's a guy who makes a living doing i keep <laughs> thinking about like why we we got zach galvanakis and mark maron on the same show <laughs> how did that happen <laughs> 10 years ago like <laughs> i, rem- I kind of remember standing in in the back with zach on, like thinking like what are we doing yeah why are we doing this still yeah, yeah. and it was like zach hadn't done comedy in years and oh I so think. he was trying to get out and get get and that loose. was that was the first oh yeah <laughs> But was it, what was, the, it was called Power Violence, but what was the theme? What was, why was it, because all these shows back then, these produced shows, had to have some grabby angle, a lot of them yeah. did. What was it exactly? Because, I, I mean, the the title's kind of heavy. Right, Power Violence was like a genre of music that we liked, me and my, my friends, which is like a grindcore, metalcore, blast beat. Oh, know? right, right, right. So, is that the stuff out of Sweden? Yeah, I mean, uh, sort of like black metal. Yeah. yeah, black metal, but less uh, aesthetically dark. Pl- dark, yeah. Oh, yeah Just yeah, more yeah. like silly, I guess. And yeah. So we called the show that. I don't know why. And we didn't know how to do comedy. The truth was that uh, I started doing that show because I had gotten some money from my mom who died. And she was like, don't spend it on rent. So I was like, oh, I can rent a theater. That's That I think That's is different. okay. Yeah. Right. She's and, like, she was more like, put this towards your dream. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I uh, rented that little black box and then we started just like, we were already in a band yeah. playing around town and it was like- What was the name of the band? We were called Tooks. Tooks? Yeah. T-O-O-K-S, yeah. Mm. Which was like, it was during the kind of garage explosion, like in the 2007 era. Who came out of that explosion, just to give Ty, me some context. Ty Siegel oh, okay, and right, all right. those guys. Yeah, yeah. But they were just miles cooler than us and- and we were just idiots on stage and talked too much and like nobody liked us. We were annoying to everybody. And, uh-huh. and so when we started that show, I, I had the band guys in the show with me and then we would bring up stand-up comedians because I didn't realize that stand-up comedians would just do any show. <laughs> <laughs> you could get huge names to do anything in this town. <laughs> and then we we sort of stopped playing music and just would like fuck around and do whatever we could to get laughs. And then eventually kind of evolved into doing more of a focused show, stand-up show. So, but previous to that, you didn't do comedy? No, I took classes at UCB, and I, I wanted really badly to be a comedian. I would try every four months to do stand-up. And but wait, I, so the dream was music? It was music f- for my whole childhood, and then I moved out here thinking I could get into acting and writing. Huh. Well, let's go back, because I mean, I watched a special, it was called The Golden One? Golden yeah. One? yeah. And uh, it's pretty emotionally raw, and I'm like sort of a specialist of emotionally raw <laughs> at times. But like, there are moments there where it's like not particularly comfortably raw. Like, <laughs> there's moments during the special where I'm like, he doesn't really have a handle on this yet. Does 
he's, he has no closure at all on this, and this, <laughs> this is kind of hard to watch. But there are good parts, too, and I'm not saying that's a bad part. I'm just saying it's a slightly courageous, uh, uh, kind of insane part. <laughs> You know, what are you laughing at? Am I, is it hurting you? <laughs> no, it's tr- absolutely true. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, how did he, what did, <laughs> how did he pitch this? Well, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah. But I mean, the idea of sort of getting closure, you know, I mean, the, the, the thrust of the show is about your mom's death and then, you know, her being an entertainer um, and playing at this place as a regular performer and you going back to that place sort of a full circle thing to your hometown to I'm, i guess that's what it is and then this was an exercise in getting that closure yeah that you know, like you don't have it but maybe this will do it right and i'll show everybody this this painful attempt yeah to uh to um display all of my talents in the rawest way possible <laughs> in front of friends and family at this weird joint. Now, where is that place? Where where did you grow up? I grew up in a place called Gulf Shores, Alabama, and the floor Bama is, uh, you know, it's like on an island in Alabama called Pleasure Island, and then the floor Bama is right off of that island, still in a piece of Alabama called Perdido Key, on the line of Florida and Alabama. Gulf Shore, Alabama, is by the. It's on the water, yeah, and it's next to Florida. It's like that yeah. that corner there, yeah. Like, what's the, the closest town in Florida? Pensacola. Oh. Yeah. So this is like, you know, this, this is an observation I had, you, you know, watching. It was, you know, a lot of a, a lot of Florida is the South. Yeah. You know, most of it, mm-hmm. probably. And, uh, but there's this moment where I realized when you were performing at this place and I saw some of the people in the audience, that if you don't come from the South, you know... You just assume that, you know, all the people that look a certain way act a certain way. And but you're definitely not of that ilk. And you're a sensitive guy who kind of went the way of sort of emo and goth and were different and and a slightly fragile sort. And and when I watch you performing in in this environment, there's part of me that's sort of like, you know, man, that's got to (laughs) suck. But 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 then I realize, like, but you're from there and they know you It like. They, whatever they're going to judge you as is is your the overriding thing is that you're still one of their own. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. It was like I was freaked out by that because that you know like I I wanted to make sure that the because I'm like an L.A. New York kind of comedian. I, I love doing shows out here and I'm super progressive and all the shit I like has nothing to do with the South. And so going home, I was like, God damn it, I got to do it here. Like. These people you didn't have to. Well, I didn't have. Well, I, that was the pitch. That was kind of the idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I went around, like I went to Birmingham and other places to test out to make sure that it would work. Uh-huh. And found that they liked it more than a lot of a lot of the shit they liked more than people in L.A. and New York. All I think cool a lot places. of times they're sort of excited to see professionals. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You, you know, like certain rooms that, you know, kind of get the rotation of the local cats, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know, just to see but somebody who's got some chops. Yeah. It's good. But but also, but I realize, though, I, I understand that, but you are still genetically and emotionally from that place, right? Right, yeah. And in and, and what you were talking about in the special about being the kind of kid you were, like, you know, emo, goth, what, you know, just arty kid, you were doing that there. 
So all those fucking rednecks or whoever, you still had to go to school with them and they had to deal with you and you dealt with them and they dealt with you and that happens everywhere. Yeah. So like, you know, there's this, you weren't an outsider. There's this idea that anybody that goes to the South, if they're not from the South, is an outsider. And that I think is kind of true, but you aren't, even though you're a weirdo. Yeah. The South <laughs> has plenty of weirdos. The Totally. Like, and even more weirdos because they don't have the access in the same way that the big cities do. So, like, they get the half version of something, the, like, half evolved version of the cool band or, like, the band that doesn't look as in the way that they're supposed to look. Right. So they become even stranger than the weirdos in the big city. Right, because they're, I mean? they're trying to do something. It's almost like they're, uh, you know... Um, the blob. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> the blob kind of makes a weird kind of creepy facsimile of the person it absorbs. Yeah, man. So like <laughs> when I was in my bands, like we never got access. This is something I always noticed is like we never had access in the South to the pants of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so like there would be guys wearing like skinny jeans or whatever it right. was, but we didn't have skinny jeans. So we would still be wearing like these chunky looking whatever pants. <laughs> Levi yeah. 505s. Yeah, Levi 505s. Yeah. But with the rest, the top half looked the right way. Right. But the bottom half, we looked like fools. Right. <laughs> we, it didn't match the, the... No. Well, I mean, that was the thing, though. I mean, that was sort of... Like, I didn't real, But that was always a thing, even in the original wave of punks. You know, they had to get the record sent to them. Some cat, you know, who, who owned a record store had to fucking be the channel to get the shit. Yeah. You had to get people to send you the clothes from New York. Someone had to bring them down right. there. <laughs> right. But the skinny jean things, I thought most people, most guys resolved by buying girl ones. Right. That's what I would do. Right. I'd go to Target and get girl pants. Yeah. The, the stretchy store. pants. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would do. And then, yeah, I mean, I just watched, like, a bad documentary on The Replacements, you know, and just yeah. how that weird theme of uh, of local bands, you know, having, like, there's the cover band, there's the ones that are the rock band, but then there's the art rock people that, and they're always going to be dressing in dresses and doing weird shit, but it's almost like a, it's like a staple, mm-hmm. you know, it, it repeats itself over generations in one form or another. There's always going to be that band. Yeah. And you were them. I'd say we were we were playing with them. We weren't them necessarily. Oh. We were like we were uh, we were pretty okay. We were fine. We didn't seem to ever fit completely in with anybody. But it was also it, we would if when we would go out of town when we would go to Nashville or somewhere cool yeah, to play a show, right. then we would become that band. But in our scene, we were okay. It was just like. But also in our scene, there was not enough bands to even make like a proper in, scene. In Gulf Shore? Yeah, in Gulf. Well, Pensacola is like where we would end up playing. That was like really our scene. I have no know? sense of Pensacola. I have no sense of what that's like. It's like... Uh, I mean, I've been to Tallahassee. It's similar to Tallahassee, except it's on the water. Uh-huh. Oh, so there's more of that beach Yahoo shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, even even your brother, like there's a moment there where you're seeing your family and your cousin, you know, in these documentary moments... Where, you know, they're, you know, when you're talking to your cousin, you know, about your, your mom's death, um, you know, like he looks like a fucking Southern bro, yeah. but then all of a sudden he's just like all soft and breaking down. And Well, yeah, man, he's, he, he's, he's staying home. Yeah. We all left. My brother lives on a school bus and drives around with his family. My, my other cousin lives in, Den- you know, Denver. He like stayed there. So he's yeah. really dealing with all of the 
family hell, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, your brother, like, there's a moment where, like, what's this guy about? And you're like, of course he's that. He's just a, a good guy. Yeah. Kind of, like, free spirit dude. Yeah. Can still play some guitar. Big time. Yeah. But, like, what is the story? So, he's your older brother and there's just two of you? Yeah, he's my older brother from a different dad. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, his dad uh, and my mom were, you know, successful drug smugglers i guess is the story uh-huh. and then his dad went to prison and uh then when my mom met my dad they had me and five six years later and yeah but your mom has a twin sister yeah and they were they had uh, they were music act yeah sin twister sin twister yeah of course yeah and but you know just the sort of talk of like you know if you grew up in the world of like music in a local scene or art in a local scene the story is familiar you know like they we almost had a record deal why didn't we record it like you know there was a time where we were kind of hot yeah and you kind of focus a lot on that I do man they and they came I've they came close and more closer than I thought when I went back home you know talking to my aunt like. Oh yeah, about the record deal, the Virgin record deal. Yeah, but like, uh, but like, okay, so so they're doing this act after the the drug dealing of husband goes to jail. She marries your dad, who's kind of like you know that he's come back into your life and you get to see that guy. He doesn't quite fit in with it all. He must have really turned his life around somehow. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like he's like I don't know. It's just almost it was, he's a sober guy. Yeah, but so your mom. Um, and he were married for how long? Nine, ten, nine or ten years. So they really wrote it out. Yeah. But was it like, because your mom was a drinking and drug addicted person. Yeah. But so, she somehow managed. She sort of managed. It like fell apart when I was about eight. My dad jokingly said the other day that I had about six good years. But oh, like, really? Yeah. It really was, it, she didn't manage. No, I mean, in, maybe until I was eight or nine, it was like. That's when everything, and with my dad too, that's where everything kind of really started to visibly be like, I got, if there's like wine bottles in the house, I have to break them. Like it was chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but like, was that during the time where she was, was her sister fucked up too? Yeah. There, everyone was fucked up. Yeah. Uh, her sister got sober first. Oh, so did the, the getting out of control coincide with the, the musical dream sort of fading or? No, really the first, there's like been a lot, there was a lot of hiccups. Like they were most, like most promise was in the late seventies. And, and your uncle was playing bass or guitar? Oh, my uncle. No, who was in the band? Oh, that guy, Ricky Whitley? Yeah. He's not my uncle. He's just some swamp man oh, really? who was always, was always sort of in the band. <laughs> now he lives on a swamp. He's like completely, probably doesn't know Corona is happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just got him back there to play the show with me. You go, went and found him? Uh, well, he he sent me that VHS tape of my mom oh. and him and playing. So that was sort of what kicked all this off. Was like Oh, that video. the swamp man. Yeah. So they're like, see, that's something that we a lot of us don't know what you're talking about. Swamp people, right? There's swamp people in Alabama. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> There's swamp people, dude, for sure. What, and do they live like like is the swamp like is there like a road where you're like, well, you would take that road and then you're you want to go see some swamp houses, <laughs> some true detective shit. 
Like, let's go, man. That's where they are. <laughs> yeah, and they go, and they're, and they're in New Orleans too, or, or in Louisiana coast, yeah. and yeah. probably. But but it has to have some density, so the uh, you know foliage density to be swampy, right? Yeah, and that we have all that where I'm from. It oh, was yeah. like every type of uh, you know body of water you could ever dream of. Oh wow! Yeah, people who you can tell the type of person they are just by like, oh, he's wearing those rubber boots, so yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> like a swamp guy. <laughs> Okay, so the swamp guy sent you the video. Well, that was nice. Out of nowhere? Yeah. Huh. Out of nowhere. I wonder what that was about. I don't know. He just sent it to me. He found it and he felt compelled to send Is it Is that to the me. only existing video? That I have, yeah. That exists? Yeah. That I know of. I'm right. sure there's other ones. Mm. With Hurricane, we used to have a lot of tapes, but Hurricane Katrina kind of wiped a lot of them away. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's so wild. And that was the one that yeah. kind of triggered it. Okay, so what are the hiccups? <laughs> the, the hiccups are they had a lot of promise they were in jamaica in yeah in the 70s living in jamaica playing sing you know meeting every famous you know david mm. bowie mm-hmm. bob marley all the people keith richards maybe was yeah down there i'm sure all, yeah. whoever came down there they were the girls who right. would like go sing back up and just like oh, really? fun so to hang out with white girls living in jamaica who sang yeah yeah, hmm. and they were identical twins, and they were like beautiful and just like loved the party. So some pretty big rock acts have some pretty serious memories. Totally, of you, <laughs> dude. Do you remember the twins? Do I remember well, the twins? Well, that's when I realized going home, <laughs> it's like all of these innocent stories that yeah. I would hear. Like, oh yeah, your mom. My mom would always tell me I spent the night with David Bowie, you know, and. I remember in, as a kid thinking, she spent the night like walking on the beach with David That's Bowie. That's nice. Talking. They had a sleepover. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, damn it. David Bowie is fucking my mom. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse things, dude. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so that was happening. And then my mom met her husband, my brother's dad. And then they got into uh, smuggling drugs back and forth from, from Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. Weed? Yeah. So uh, then he got caught. That, that that was like that became the focus, and they had a a kid who had who died in a car accident too at that time. So like, it just was like bad. Oh, thing that's happened. the thing that we. Yeah, it's not. I don't think you really delineate that stuff in the special in the documentary. Like you know, you talk to your aunt about the kid your mom lost, but you know, I guess it was your brother, your half brother, anyway. Yeah, but but it happened long before you. Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So he died. Her husband got arrested. That was like a big hiccup in the music thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, before he went into prison, they had my brother. My When he went to prison, my mom moved back to Alabama. Yeah. Where my aunt had already moved back. Yeah. Then they had the second wind of Sin Twister. Okay. Let's focus. Let's yeah. like record all these songs. They recorded yeah. all the, you know, so many good songs in this great studio called Airwave Studio in Birmingham. And- uh and so that was like the moment for them. The like, they might actually do it this time. And that was it mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, mid eighties. Yeah, and then um, it just didn't really happen again. And then yeah. this reminds me of your monologue and, and I'm sort, and of, sort of trust. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and then uh, yeah, then my aunt moved down to Gulf Shores. A few years. Then my dad left. Mom followed. Um, to Gulf Shores. And oh, you you were so. Where were you guys? We were in Birmingham until I was a little kid. You know, just until I was like really seven right or eight. where we shot that shit. Yeah, yeah. You lived there. So, but like the scene at home, though. Like, I mean, 
what yelling and screaming and throwing shit and like no it was just mystery constant like i don't know who's gonna come home it, I, I was luckily had an older brother who yeah. was there you know it was just um there was no classic movie drunkness it was like nodding out kind of like fucked up you know my mom's like an ex-junkie like or she was a junkie until she died i guess you're doing the say. dope yeah so like it wasn't like a um, oh, right right so it was more yeah you know is she alive go you know totally. shake her. it was like oh if she stops drinking she'll have a seizure that kind of uh, thing see, yeah so it wasn't like uh as uh energetic as, as right right as, there's no sid and nancy shit going on your no. dad looks like kind of a control freak dude well yes I, I, and my dad was like until 10 years ago it was like this backwards hat kind of cut off jean shorts guy oh really and then he met um a new his wife who and they've like very much you know now he's obsessed with fitness and kind of like yoga golf and golf being but he's a sober dude like you know real deal does the thing does sober it guy. fully does it runs meetings and all that right stuff. right right yeah. yeah 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 i mean it was sort of wild that like you know because a lot of the jokes in the show you know, were, you know, you're kind of, you're slightly dark jokes. Some of them were ab about the family, but it was more the songs, a lot of them, and some of the interstitial stuff that really kind of told the story of, of where you come from, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what, you didn't end up having a fucking drinking problem? No. No, Your I brother had, either? No, we were like, my brother was, he got f five more good years than I did. So yeah. he, we both had like a lot of hate in us. Like a, for alcohol and right, drugs. right. That's the other way to go. We just like I was this kid who just fucking hated it and like hated it and felt completely uncomfortable and pissed off anytime. Like every time, you know, turning thirteen when I'd see like my friends were starting to get fucked up. Yeah, just like fucking pissed, but trying to be cool about it and saying I didn't care. Right, and that lasted until I was in my mid twenties, probably. Just right, this like rage about it. Um. And then my brother was a little bit more chill, but a really similar kind of oh, really? kind of way. Yeah. What's the timeline on like? Because she died not that long ago, right? She died eleven years ago. Oh, it's eleven years ago. Yeah, already? yeah. So, so I was nineteen or twenty. And you were still at home. No, I, I had just moved to L.A. Okay, so your your dad leaves, mm -hmm. and you're how old? I was nine. Oh, so when you had, he officially left when I was. So nine. you had like. 10 years just being down there with your mother well yeah so then my dad came back when i was in high school my when my dad left my mom was in and out of rehab or oh. and J he would she would get in trouble and be like on on uh what's it called where you can't probation. probation yeah um uh, so it's a real fucking mess yeah and then my dad had gotten sober he was in living you know in a halfway house and doing all that and kind of that life he'd Lost his law license and was... He was a lawyer? Yeah. And uh, he uh, came back to live in Alabama after visiting one time and, like, seeing the kind of shit the show. Squaller. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and he uh, stepped up? He for sure stepped up, yeah. he. It was uh, really weird. He kind of realized, like, wow, you know, Johnny and Wit kind of have already figured this out how to raise themselves so i'll like give them a place to stay and live and take care of them and work you know he worked as an assistant at a title company and just 
figure out how to help them in whatever way I can, but they've got it. So it was still like we didn't have any real rules or anything, but now we had like a consistent place. Yeah, and you had your dad for whatever that was worth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's always been like, dude, anytime I'd love to talk to you and tell you what happened and what went down. And I waited until just recently for him to tell me. So. Before the, the special? Yeah, we sort of like... About two years ago, he was driving me to the airport, and he, like, kind of laid it all out. Yeah? Just his whole fucked up shit. Was it surprising? No. I mean, once you hear it from him, he was like, I didn't expect to live this long. <laughs> That's his. That was his idea. <laughs> he was like, "I the shit I grew up liking was all these people, this free love. And, and then my age for some reason everything is synthetic and like all the there was no more just people smoking weed and having sex with each other it was like shooting heroin and getting aids and like it was a different thing but i still my parents never hugged me and i just wanted to die (laughs) you know what i mean so he was like i wanted to live fast and leave a good looking corpse and then i had a family and like so i i don't yeah i don't think it's a good thing but i i guess i get it yeah yeah but like the one thing I noticed about the whole thing, so we'll get to it. So, so you, but by the time you leave to come out here, I mean your mother's kind of lost to you, anyways. Yeah, no, I watched my mom die like a hundred times. So it was when she actually did die. It was it was a uh, really hard and painful, but it was sometimes in a way it was like. A relief, as right. terrible as that sounds. Yeah, it's like uh, she's actually gone. Yeah. No. And when did? Because you know, an- another part of the the sort of story is that from the special is that like your aunt, then your mom's twin sister stopped talking to you. Yeah. For no. No, I mean all kinds of reasons. When my mom was dying, it was absolute chaos. With um, there was like drugs and money stuff and a safe with like a ring in it. And, oh, like, yeah. All kinds of shit like that. And my aunt really was like going through hell dealing all, dealing with her sister dying. Yeah. And then um, she was doing some fucked up stuff, some bad stuff too. Uh-huh. Me and my brother who were watching our mom die. And um, ultimately like I went to the funeral and uh, I was like, I'm never going to talk to any of these people again. Oh, really? Yeah. It was a, it was a bad Brought bad out scene. the worst in everybody. Uh, yeah, everybody. I went, I mean, I went to the funeral and they didn't like, you know, like they had decided that they didn't really want anything to do with me a long time before that, I think because I moved in with my dad. Yeah. So. Uh, So there's just like this strain. Yeah. When, when, uh, at the funeral, they had a slideshow of, of my mom and her first son, Casey and like their life together. Yeah. And then a slideshow of my mom and my brother and then they didn't have anything of me. Really? Yeah. And so I was like, fucking, I'm out of here. This is it. And I left, like, just bailed, went back to California and never <laughs> looked back. So who called you to tell you your mom died? Your dad? Um, My brother. Oh. Uh. Well, she, he said, we need to go home. You need to come home. Your, you know, mom has got a couple more days. Uh. And she was keeping it a secret that she was dying. What was she dying of? Uh, cirrhosis and uh. hep C and all uh. the things. The, oh yeah, all the things that that life. Yeah, the gifts of that life. <laughs> yeah, the gifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the satanic souvenirs right of a life embracing hell and it's like dude and at that time every one of my friends down there too like each one of our parents were just dropping dropping in the same kind of way really drugs or alcohol yeah whatever it's just like a hard living kind of place down there oh so when you came out here it seems like you i don't know it's not that you know specific but it seems like you know before she died or whatever was going down there you just needed to get out of there yeah man (laughs) (laughs) there was no way i was gonna stay down there and you didn't you had a vague sense of being an actor or being I a met musician. a guy. I I had stopped doing music because yeah. I had taken it so seriously throughout my whole childhood and never had like a life outside of a band. Yeah, and so I had stopped doing it, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I had met it, my my friend and co-director Clay, who I grew up with down there. Uh, he had gotten a scholarship into Savannah College of Art and Design for a short little sketch thing we had I made. Hear that's a good school. Yeah, it's a great school, and then. Uh, I was like, well, maybe I could do something like that, but I couldn't go to some fancy school. And then I met a guy in Florida who worked at a special effects company in L.A. And uh, I was talking to him about it, like, could I, I want to move? Maybe I can move to L.A. And he was like, dude, give me a call when you, you know, and uh, I'll hook you up with a job as a PA. So I was like, great, that's what I'm doing, and that became my plan. And then moved out here right after high school, and that guy never answered the phone. <laughs> It was like the rudest awakening immediately. I've heard so many. I've heard so many stories of the people that like just say, all it took is one guy. And they, <laughs> they don't know the guy that well, but they're like, "I'm going." This one guy who I don't know didn't know him at all. Yeah, said, uh, "Come on out, and I'll set you up." Yeah, man. And I wonder how many times I've done that to people now. Like, <laughs> I try to only offer things that I can handle. Yeah. I can that I can really do. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, all right, so so you come out here. But that kid that co-directed the special with you, Clay, is his name? Yeah. And he was part of Power Violence as well? Yeah. So you guys have been working together for a long time. Yeah, since we were 10, really. We, 10? He was in every band with me, too. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's out here? Yeah. What's he doing? He's just making stuff, you yeah. know, writing, directing little things. You know, me and him are hopefully going to make more stuff, you know, if they let us. Sounds like you should make a a real script about the family. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. I'm trying. That's what we're Some trying sort of right like now. Gothic. If anybody's indie, listening. Indie movie. Yeah. About, because the, the, I think that what's really compelling about it, you know, you know drugs and whatnot, but, and, and family tension, but it all sort of focuses around a very specific period in music. Where, you know, they were kind of doing a Stevie Nicks trip. Yeah. You know, like a dual, a dual Stevie Nicks trip. Yeah, they love, I mean, and I found all those tapes. Yeah. Like, there's at one point when my, my aunt is talking about Casey, like we're at the kitchen and we're looking About through, the kid that died? Yeah. yeah. Two inch tape. Of, oh, yeah, that, like, big analog leaflets. tape. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she was saying those were all ruined by Katrina and- I got them all digitized, and the guy was like, these are two-inch tape. You can't ruin these. Like, yeah. They're indestructible. So I was listening through shit all the way back to like 75. You Oh, you have it digitized? I have all of it, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm getting a bunch of the songs remixed and mastered because it's like some of them are isolated recording uh-huh. tracks. tracks. Yeah. But there's like recordings of them fucking around in a bar in Aspen doing like a cover of whatever Fleetwood Mac song. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really cool. And then you can hear them talking to each other in between songs and like entertaining the crowd. No kidding. Yeah. That must be nice. It's really cool. 
Well, that's the, that was sort of the interesting thing about, you know, r- retrieving this past. But okay, but we'll, we'll, we can get back around to that. So wh- how did you land out here? What the fuck? What'd you end up doing? I got a job at a skate shop in uh, Santa Monica, active skate shop on the Third Street Promenade. And, and you're uh, a good skater. I'm okay, not not by California standards, right. and Alabama standards. I'm good because the ground isn't even good enough to push around on. But yeah. once you get out here, it's like there's real good skaters. Yeah, but you can hold your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was enough doing to that. be at a shop. Yeah, enough to be the guy behind the counter at the skate shop. But also probably the non-intimidating guy. Yeah, who'd be, especially back then, I'd be like, hey guys, y'all want to... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but they're kids, right? And the last thing they need yeah. is some alpha skateboard jock. Totally. You know, you're just like, you could do a few tricks and be probably, you're probably the ones that, you sold more skateboards to like eight-year-olds than anybody. Totally. They really connect with me. Nobody has ever <laughs> been intimidated by me in their whole life. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I was just doing that, and then I looked up on MySpace. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh, I looked up people. I was like, is anybody out here from the South uh, trying to be an actor? And then mm. some people were like, oh, yeah, I'm from wherever, and here's what you got to do. And mm. uh, I went to an acting class, and then I was like, what else do I need to do? And then they were like- Which acting class? Some, some like, uh, scam studio. Oh, really? I'm oh. sure it's some type of pyramid scheme. And they were like, you need to get a headshot. And I remember not knowing what headshot was and saying, what is a headshot? Oh, wow. And so they, you know- It was a scam studio? You know, one of those things where they're like, we'll meet, we'll introduce you to an agent. Oh, right. Well, like, don't they all do that? Yeah. 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 Okay. So how'd that work? Did you do any, did you do some acting lessons? I did all of it. Okay. Ser- and then I got into like real serious stuff, you know, and took it really seriously. It was like growing up, like loved movies and Gus Van Sant and shit like that. And my own private Idaho yeah. was my, is probably my favorite movie yeah. still, but especially back then. And I uh, realized that like, Everybody out here was who was working in all these acting classes on shows like Gossip Girl or whatever yeah. it was, they had like never seen a movie in their life. They were just like really good looking and sure people cast them and stuff and it and it I just became super bitter about it. Oh yeah. Prematurely bitter. Yeah. Okay. And without so, even getting into the game. No, not like, at all. I'm fucked. Look was, at these idiots. I'm doing it. I'm trying really hard and these yeah. people are actually doing it and they don't know anything about it or yeah. care about it. And so that luckily, like, that shifted into me doing, you know, I was doing the band, but then I started doing stand-up and stuff. Yeah. So Where the, were you doing the stand-up? I started just, like, in all the alt rooms. Right. And still, yeah, pretty much just, like, east side yeah. rooms, you know? Like, yeah. We did some shows together. Sure, hope I know. You never, you missed, I hope, I remember one time thinking, okay, I have a joke that yeah. I think Mark might like, and then you walked out right, right when I got on stage. I'm sorry, dude, where was that? Um... It was. It wasn't meltdown, but it was at meltdown. Oh right, like Andy Kenler show or something. Something or, like that. Yeah. Mm, you were with mm. your niece, I think. Oh, when Eden was in town, that yeah. one time. <laughs> oh yeah, got her in there. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't seem to care much. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if I could keep her there. Like I, I took off, huh? Well, no. I mean, I was like, oh, he's sitting. He, you were sitting in the crowd, which was kind of like odd. Yeah. And then you stood up and left right after whatever. And oh, I was like, sorry, buddy. I, I like to sit in the crowd sometimes. Oh, I'll, yeah. do, I'll sit in the crowd when my opener's on at a theater or something. That's cool. Get the feel. Yeah. What are people experiencing? Yeah. How does this feel for the people? Yeah, that's good. That's but good. so, were you making a living doing comedy? No. <laughs> I didn't make a living doing comedy until three months ago. Yeah. Dude, 
the brokest of anybody I've ever known until like three months ago. I was like, I would, I would, me and my buddy Clay would, were always like, Dude, how do people live? Yeah. Because for me, it's like unemployment and some crazy job or right. whatever, you know? Yeah, no, it wasn't until recent that I... Yeah, because it is sort of interesting, like, you know, because watching the thing, the special, because I remember I saw, like, a trailer for it or something, but then I watched the special, and I'm like, man, he's like, he can't decide what he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all watching the confusion. He's, he's pretty good at a lot of things, but he's not willing to let anything go. <laughs> And he's protecting himself from failing at any one thing by doing many things pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. I don't know if I would put that on the blurb. No, yeah. Well, no, but the thing is, like, I related to it. I'm I'm not trying to be negative. I understand putting stuff out in the world that, in retrospect, was really probably too raw for 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 me to to know, you know, how it would land. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, it comes from complete desperation, like for me. Does it for me? Yeah, desperation for what though? Any anything like for, it was desperate to connect again. Right, with connect. My... Okay, that's different. That's different than, but that's not desperation for money. Oh you know, yeah, it's, no. it's it's a desperation that you know can come through in creativity where y- you know you need to be seen. Mm-hmm. By whoever, you know, like, you know, this is me. Right. I mean, it's some, in a way, desperate to be seen. But like, for me, it was like getting that tape. Like my agents had, my comedy agents had just fired me right, right before the, my, that guy, Ricky Whitley sent me that tape. And I was like, really? Yeah. The absolute, like. They fired you because they couldn't get your work or? Yeah. I was doing the Golden One show, but there was no music in it yet. And, oh. And uh, people just kind of. So it started as a one person show kind of deal. Yeah. About your, your, the death of your mom and. and... Sort of, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Less about the parallels of our failures. Right. Oh, oh right. Oh, okay. And yeah, that, see that, that, that theme, the sort of like we both were failing. I mean, the thing was like, you know, you're young. Right, but she was young too. Like, and so I kept when she was kind of, I mm. kept thinking, oh, in that video, she's my age. Right, right, right. And and she had already, it had already all happened, and now she's at this bar. She's the, the house band. Yeah, she's kind of done now. Right. And I kept going. I've just been like let go, and and is this what am I going to fucking do? Right, like, right, right. And she called me the fucking golden one. Yeah. And like all the time, and. uh so, yeah, so that's kind of how that worked. And then I had recorded a bunch of music. I was like, maybe if I record all these songs that I wrote about, you know, my mom or whatever it is, breakups, uh, I'll feel this connection and this, like, creativity. And so I recorded all these demos with a friend of mine, and then I listened back to all these lyrics, and I was like, this is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I'm never going to show anybody these songs. And you showed everybody. Well, I just changed all the lyrics kind of to make them more embarrassing. Oh, okay. Just taking, removing metaphor. Oh, to make them funnier? Yeah. Right. Just like if I had a song about my mom drinking herself to death, just saying my mom drank herself to death. Right. Instead or of, I, she, uh, I partied till I died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Partied to death. Partied to death. Which was one of my first jokes, like saying my mom partied to death. And and like, so, yeah, man, it was just like, uh, it was just all out of this like, f- like fluster of like 
desperation to just like connect creatively. Put this thing together, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it was good. It was just like because I'm sort of uh, uh, sensitive to my own discomfort around performing uncomfortable things because I've always done it. Yeah. It's always been the way I start. You know, like, I'm going to put this out there. And I know people are laughing because they're uncomfortable. They're not laughing because, like, I have complete control of this joke. You know, they're laughing because sort of like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> what the, you know, and, that, and that's a type of laughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but But it seems to me that, you know, doing the songs and telling the jokes, you know, around this stuff. I don't, you know, I don't know. Why you like? Was there a discussion about putting the song about having a hard time getting a boner? Was there like, were you like, do I put this in? Is this really <laughs> necessary? I just feel like it's nice to have a break <laughs> from the death to yeah. talk about erectile yeah. dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, let's lighten things up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's talking about it. Not enough people are talking. Not enough people are being honest about well, it. Sometimes there's like a there's a t- certain type of person guy who will come up to me and I'm like, oh, this person lost his mom. To oh no! Alcohol, right? And then there's the type of guy who's like, he's gonna come talk to me. I felt like he can't get a boner. <laughs> Look, I mean, back when I was younger, I understood exactly. I understood the performance anxiety part of it, but like, you just have to. You getting better with that? Yeah. You just have to shift and say what you want and yeah. find someone who's patient. Right, patience, <laughs> confidence, <laughs> patience. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of like you know, shut yeah. up. It's happening. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> stay with me. But uh, but it seems to me that most of the um, closure that you got was really, it really seemed in the two co- the conversations with your your cousin and your aunt was like really where the shit landed because you like for some reason throughout a lot of that documentary footage you didn't really like I could feel you not being able to get to your emotions around it. What you would you would lock down like with your old man and shit. Yeah, you're you're locked down. I mean, you're social, and you can be funny, but you you know you couldn't let go. No, and it's just and you know I'm in therapy and all that stuff. It's yeah. too. It's just been such a part of my life forever, and I I don't know necessarily how to access my anger and what that the stuff death? over. No, just like my my being fucked. You uh-huh. know, like in my childhood and uh-huh. my dad bailing, my mom. Nobody taking care of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to access the anger about it uh-huh. at all. Mm. So talking to them, you know, the things that I get emotional about are are usually not even involving them. It's like, so yeah, my I, I, I didn't emote in the way that I wanted to. But then there is also more, I didn't also want it to feel like a, a, the apology tour, you know, of me like going around and talking to those Everybody and trying to get them to say I'm sorry or whatever. My well, no, aunt, I, my didn't dad. Feel, I didn't feel that at all. What I felt was um, like you, you know, was your cousin's empathy. You know, clearly, you know, there's this backstory about you know them all turning on you. You know, and then you know you coming back and doing this. That there was a real moment there where you know he he seemed to feel bad. Yeah, well, and and you know, and you and that moment was pretty pretty amazing, right? Yeah, he. Uh, he feels a lot of guilt. He 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 was there for me when my mom was dying. The cousins were there, him and uh, my other cousins and my yeah. brother. But he feels a lot of guilt about my childhood and not being there. Mm. You know, they, my brother and him and my cousin, my other cousin Jenny, they all had a car and could drive away and just kind of often I was stuck and 
my cousin Wilkes feels a lot of, and oh, they yeah. all do. They, yeah. And that was a whole, that's a conversation we've since had together, th- the four of us. But it's like- a, What, they, leaving you? They feel bad, like leaving me just kind of as a kid yeah. there to kind of break the bottles or whatever it is. Right. When they could drive off and go fuck Party. around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, you're dealing with the, the sad- part of partying yeah <laughs> and they're gonna go have a good time they're gonna go have sex yeah and but but when when you regroup with your aunt like you know how was that i mean she seemed a little withholding yeah but she was but willing and she's become less withholding now it's it's like personal for her to uh she was very willing and happy to talk to me and right and she, that whole moment of you seeing your mom and her because they're twins yeah yeah, and I realized kind of, it's just you get older, and I just can't remember sometimes why I'm so angry. You yeah, know? right. And uh, and I think she, she might not be able to articulate it, but she uh, feels a lot of guilt and uh-huh. about how everything went down. And, uh, you know, she, she's still dealing with it. She says she dreams about my mom every night, you know? Right. She uh, That was her entire identity. Was my mom, like her and my mom together? Well, yeah, twins. It's rough, man. Yeah, especially when you're like creative together. And they're identical. Yeah, and so I just I did become. I started to have a lot of sympathy for her. And she's sober too. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about your old man is like you know he he seems you know legitimately kind of like you know born again sober dude. Like not, I mean, like born again, like sober, not Christian or anything, and like you know, he knows how to do the work and process the shit. Yeah, and he's willing to do it, but it's still going to have that kind of practicality element. He's willing to take responsibility, right? You know, but he's really kind of he has know, done he has, the work. He has the language. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like he's done the work. He's pretty solid. He's he's done all he can do. He can't live in the past or or in shame anymore because he's recovered. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's totally what it is. Yeah. He doesn't feel like this wake up every night guilty kind of thing. He, because yeah, because you let it go. Yeah, yeah, which is part of it. Well, have you ever done the Al-Anon thing? Or when I was a kid, I would. Yeah, uh, with my mom, I would. Uh, that was part of like Palatine. a yeah ma- mandated sort of thing that I I would have to go be a part of. But then I I haven't really been that big of a part of that since I was a child. How about that ACOA? No, I haven't done any of that. There's some good fucking, I hear there's some pretty solid ACOA shit going on. I know a couple cats who do that, you know, who are, come from like yeah. the serious alcoholism families. And it, that's like a kind of emotionally grad level kind of shit. That's cool. Yeah, because it's a specific thing. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just like, it seems like, contextualizing is the difficult thing. Like, you know, if you're going to therapy, right, and you're working out this stuff and you're trying to access the grief, I mean, it would seem to me that being, that what you're experiencing is, you know, highly common for people who are brought up or or who, who grew up in that shit. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And being part of some group mind around it would probably enable maybe some more access yeah yeah you're right i should do stuff like that 
Yeah, maybe once should, a week or something. <laughs> once or t- once or four times a week. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you who I know. Okay. So great. now, how is this special being received, dude? People have been nice on the internet. Swedish people. <laughs> that, that in and of itself is really rare. Yeah, people have been cool. I do. A, I. A, I. I didn't know, but I do a Bill Hicks joke, so people have been really angry about that. Which one? About Jesus on the cross, and that's right. That's a Lenny Bruce joke. Oh, it's a Lenny. Well, people have been tweeting that it's yeah, a. I know Bill did his version. Everyone does their version. Okay. Cool. Like, yeah, like thank like, you, because people have been tagging you in all these posts. They go, Mark Marin, Whitmer Thomas steals bill hicks's joke they're telling me that you did it yeah yeah oh um, and they tagged joe rogan too um so that's been the most of the hatred look man i you know i i did a thing like i accidentally think i did i thought i accidentally think i did a or thought i did a bill hicks line on conan many years ago and it plagued me forever but it turns out like a lot of people were doing that joke well yeah so and but but your joke is exactly what what was it it's uh, my mom my aunt called me one year on my mom's death day yeah which is a weird day to remember somebody but we're taught to remember things that way when jesus comes back i feel like he'll be like first order of business let's remove all their memorabilia from the worst day of my life yeah right 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 it was certainly around when lenny was around but i get it yeah so yeah dealing with a little of that dealing with that but other than that everybody on online has been really cool people have said nice things and i didn't necessarily think that people would connect in the kind of way you know so many people have dealt with the same kind of shit right you know? right and so it's it's been cool and it's been nice you know people have been nice to me about and it's it. getting you more work or i don't know yet because right now we're stuck at home but oh that's like, right i hope I so for a minute yeah you know how I'm, long has the special been out uh since late february mm-hmm. so i hope it does you know like i i, I had to cancel a tour but, right, of course. Now, did it come along with, like, are you developing for HBO now? No. They just gave you the special? No, yeah. How it happened is they saw it. Uh, they saw this version that I was doing before I had music, and they were like, I'm not too interested in that. Then uh, I was doing it uh, with music. Bo Burnham saw that, and then A24 got involved, uh, and then we pitched it to HBO, this idea. And like of me going home and kind of doing it there, and then they were like, "Cool, yeah, let's do that." Uh-huh. And they just kind of let me go. And then we had to do hurry because the tourist season was about to end, so we needed people there to actually go to the show. So we had to shoot it like a month later. So you shot that for outside of friends and family, which I guess was what a dozen, right? You were shooting. You shot that for real fucking yeah, Gulf Shore tourists. Yeah, oh, that's pretty brave. <laughs> How were you? How'd you pull that off without fucking? They're collapsing? cool, man. Me, they? You know, me and Sean Patton used to do a show there like twice a year at that place. Not there at another place similar to that. Yeah, and they love it, man. And Sean would fucking demolish just like telling whatever stories. You know, they're just open. He's Southern boy too, right? Yeah. Where's he from? New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like they were cool. Uh huh. You know they and they laughed more at a couple of jokes than anybody. Like that dumb in love song oh, yeah. i have yeah, yeah. they like at first thought that i was one of maybe more similar to them politically and then they realize i'm making fun of them and they're like oh that's funny too you know i was like they were cool okay at the end of the show i was like well how did uh how many people's moms or dads died here and like 95 percent of the crowd <laughs> oh, no. how's sean doing sean's great yeah yeah i haven't seen him in a long time 
I you know I don't see a lot of the kids of your generation that often. You know what's funny is when I first started doing comedy, you were around all the time. Like maybe right before too, I would see you at like all the weird shows. Maybe early. It was like right when WTF had started. Yeah, because like I was still like you know I had to like I hadn't. I needed to kind of like get some foothold. You know, I yeah. needed to work. And I think I was working at the store, but like, you know, I didn't want to do the improv. I didn't really want to do the laugh factory. And I, and I felt like at that time, I thought it was necessary that I do those places for that audience. That, that was a missing piece. Yeah. Were those audiences. And that because I had been part of the original alt comedy movement, in New York, that like I had some sort of place in it, but like I was, I never liked the audiences that much. <laughs> you know, it was just too selective. Yeah. You know, like I came up in clubs, you know, performing for a broad, you know, base of people, and then it's just like everybody was so precious, and the comedy was so specific, and I always resented it. Yeah. So, you you know, I did it, and people did like me, and it was fine. They seemed to be like, here comes our cranky uncle. But I definitely had a sort of, like, resentment to the um, homogenization yeah. of, of a type of comedy. Because it was all the same. Yeah. Those audiences. Yeah. I think, I mean, I like going to the comedy store. I've tried many times to, like, get in at the comedy store, and I just can't. It's like just going and hanging out all the time. Well, now those audiences that were kind of built, you know, through all comedy or through, well, it's weird because now there is sort of a new generation of, you know, actually excited comedy audiences. Like people have become, you know, because we're all sort of putting ourselves out there on platforms and because of podcasts, there's just a whole world of younger people that are like on top of it and know the dudes and are into the thing and they come out. You know, it's really kind of a what was before the plague, a kind of heyday for it all. Yeah. You know, and and it seems like as that's happening, a lot of those alt spaces are kind of closing down or, or they're not as many. Right. No way. There's not nearly as many alt yeah. shows as there used to be. It used to be like you could do a, a show a night, you right. know, alt show a night. But now it's like and also it used to be that the comedy store. Nobody was there. Oh, no. Yeah, when I first started. Town. Yeah. yeah. So what's. Yeah. It's like. It's it's crazy how it kind of flipped flipped around, right, right. And but a lot of the people that were driving the alt scene also became bigger acts. Yeah, and so they didn't they don't do it anymore. Yeah, they all became famous. I I was thinking about that the other day, or like maybe you know about six months ago. Yeah. It's like shit. Nobody from my crew has gotten famous. It's like who's it going to be? Because the group the guys ahead of us, there's like ten of them who got yeah. super big, and then there's y'all y'all's scene. Y'all got super big, and I'm like, fuck, we're already in our 30s, and nobody oh, dude, so I far. Oh, in my 40s. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's a good reminder. <laughs> it's also funny to think that I was seeing you. No, I'm, some... not, I'm not of the next one up. Like, you know, I, I think, like, Zach, I would say, is probably the one after me. Oh, really? Kind of. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, like, I remember when Zach started, you know, and I don't believe we started the same time. Yeah, I feel like he started a little after me. Like Rogan's definitely in my generation. Yeah. They, all I know is the one on top of us was that '80s crew, you yeah. know, like um, Seinfeld and all those guys. And yeah. then you know we're the wave after that. Yeah, and then there's another wave 
that's and then then you guys I yeah that's always the best thing you know what is something that everybody you always ask people from the store that they always skip right over that on your podcast what is you'll go what was it that what was that you, you always go what was that like i like uh about jim carrey oh yeah and they just go i don't know and then they talk about something else yeah and he's like why does everybody always skip over the jim carrey conversation i don't know i feel like he wasn't around that much yeah. like that there were certain people that started there but like that's true you know like he doesn't get mentioned that much you know i don't know how long he stayed in it i feel like you know it was kind of like meteoric yeah like you know when he locked in but i i don't I, that's a good question i don't know i mean i wish he would come on yeah it's weird he hasn't well i don't know he doesn't he's sort of an isolated dude he's an odd dude yeah he's a strange guy yeah you know but he's a very manic very creative guy but i don't know as more podcasts sort of exponentially grow i think that the kind of like the idea that they need to do this one kind of gets a little diminished hmm. when they have when there's so many other ones like i know i'm sort of that second wave og i wasn't i didn't invent the podcast but i helped popularize it but now we're at some other level man like you know there there are certain people that are like you know they have a choice right <laughs> you know all i can offer like someone like jim carrey is like well i talked to tom Driesen and uh right. and jj uh, walker so yeah. if you want to be part of my little oral history experiment around the comedy store, you can come down and do that. Uh, no, you talk to Obama. Sure, I yeah, think no, he might know that guy. Sure. No, no, no. I I know. I'm just saying that like right, right. You know, whether they do this or Dax or if they're of a certain type of mind, they're going to do Joe, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I run the same uh, shop over here. Hopefully, we'll be able to continue doing live ones. It's hard to say. You're the last live one I've got booked. Whoa, really? This thing is really working out for me, this corona. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I got to make some calls. She's willing. Yeah. But I guess we really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, podcast is okay. I guess people want to make more cartoons now. There's there's some indoor stuff that are okay. Oh, no, this is going to be the big, this is going to be the big, everyone's getting a whole new skill set. People never have to leave. There's going to be some cool albums or some terrible so, albums. I think that might be true. Yeah. Like, depending on how people, creative people are using their time. Yeah. Like as as far I'm I'm you know occasionally getting on the live Instagram, yeah. And then I, like, but I'm ten minutes in. I'm like, this is stupid. There's nothing happening. I'm mean, you know, I'm I'm out here in the garage again. But people love it. They people do kind of. I wonder when people are going to start slipping though. <laughs> kind of like I'm back. Are you guys okay? I'm losing it. We're just filming stuff they definitely shouldn't be filming. Oh, that'd be great. I think that already happened. A, a NBA guy accidentally filmed himself getting a blowjob on Instagram Live. Really? Yeah. How do you accidentally? I mean, I you don't got... know. He said he was hacked too, but it's like his hand on the. <laughs> well, it's definitely something people are doing if they can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, have you talked to your aunt? Again? Yeah, I talked to her a lot. Oh, good. I, I she's never going to hear this, but I'm good. Hopefully, we'll surprise her and with the the record. That they wanted to put out, oh, getting it all mixed and mastered, and that'd be sweet. Get a label to put it out, some little reissue label, you know. Sure, man. Press five hundred or something. Yeah, that's right. the dream. Well, that's nice, and maybe then everything will, you'll be all better. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking, man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. There you go. Quite a story. Yes. 
Watch the special, Whitmer Thomas, The Golden One, available on all HBO platforms, and also the songs from The Golden One, if you dig them, are available to stream or download. And there's a CD or an LP with two exclusive tracks, not featured on the special, but that was a... I like that guy, nice guy. The guitar you're about to hear, I played live for an audience of about 3,000 people on Instagram Live. You're, You're going to witness a very short kind of clunky concert. But you you only hear my part of it.